Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me uh, tell you a little bit about Dr. Melvin Willen, born in England, educated at Francis Bacon Grammar School, took degrees at several British universities, including doctorates in pure music at the Sheffield and history at Bristol. Melvin devotes a large amount of his life and study to lecturing of the psychical research. He's an honorary archive officer for the Society for Psychical Research, a consultant to the Ghost Club. His viewpoint on the investigations of alleged paranormal activity is skeptical, but with a considerable degree of open-mindedness. He does not close the door. He frequently speaks at conferences, publishes articles in academic journals, recently completed a project administered by Cambridge University, to digitize hundreds of videos of alleged paranormal phenomena and related material. Melvin, welcome to the program, Doctor. Good to have you with us. Yep, good to be here. Thank you. How did you get involved in uh, what I will call the paranormal end of your career? Yes, it's it's a bit strange, really, because I was a music teacher for the sort of first half of my life, but I'd always been intrigued with paranormal things. So many questions were unanswered, and slowly but surely, I started putting music and the paranormal together, and then the sort of paranormal stuff virtually took over. You know, uh, you're, you're skeptic, and I think that's very healthy, because to look at things with a skeptical eye is important, and you're open-minded, though, and that's what's so important, isn't it? Yes, yes, I, I think so. I mean, skepticism has got a bad name for it, because there's a, a few people around who I won't name who sort of have closed up to everything. They think it's all rubbish. Um, whereas I like there to be good evidence, and if there is, then I'm willing to take it on board. I want to talk about a lot of issues that you've been working on, but uh, the little clip I just played of the Enfield uh, Paranormal Poltergeist, uh, you have a book on that. Tell us about this 1977 case, and how did you come upon it? Okay, well, this took place between 1977 and 78. I mean, there was activity for about 18 months. And it, could, it was investigated by two members of the Society for Psychical Research, namely Morris Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair. Um, now, about 10 years ago, Morris Gross, unfortunately, was close to death, and he contacted me and said, would I take on board all of his cassette tapes that he'd made of all of the recordings that they'd done in situ at this Enfield haunted place? Um, not as the owner of them, but as the custodian. Uh, now, I did that, listened to them all, transcribed them all, digitalized them all, and I thought, wow, there's, there's so much information here that ought to be brought to other people's ears and eyes. And then, lo and behold, two or three years ago, Guy Playfair, who was the other investigator, he died in the same sort of circumstances. Again, I got hold of the tapes, transcribed them again, and thought, well, now we've got enough for a fairly reasonable book. Well, you sure do. Now, this this case, what happened? Well, initially it started in a, in a sort of a very low-key little place in Enfield uh, near London in England, where a family, a single-parent mother with four children, nothing special, not much money, nothing going on out of the usual. And then one night in uh, November, I think it was, there was all these bangings going on, and they thought, what on earth is going on there? An investigation, they couldn't find anything, and they called the police, and, and the police turned up and said, you know, what's going on? And then in front of the police, a chair moved across the room. Jeez. And then they thought, right, that's it, <laughs> we're getting out. <laughs> and did things get more and more violent there? A, a lot more, yes. Nobody ever got really hurt, but things got thrown around. A photographer 
got hit with a piece of Lego. Uh, a sort of cardboard box was hurled uh, of its own accord at one of the investigators. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of things that went flying around that, that occurred in this establishment with any, without any, un, any known sort of source, if you like, without the kids throwing things or anything like that. Did anybody, Melvin, get hurt with this episode? Not seriously, no. A few, a few bumps and things, um, and, and people got thrown off chairs. Um, you can argue, well, perhaps they threw themselves off, but I mean, I'm blowed if I'd want to throw myself on the floor repeatedly. At this point in your career, what would you say about this episode? That it was real? That it was a fake? What, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think that some of it was fake. Um, I, I think when you've got four children, three of which were there most of the time, uh-huh. um, playing on each other's sort of, you know, dares and not dares, I think some of it was faked by them. They got caught faking things at times, and they admitted to faking things at times. But the thing is, I don't think it was all fake. And you only need one crow, if you like, to be white. That's right. You have to say, <laughs> not crows are not all black. Well, you know, it's like I say about the field of ufology. All you need is one real UFO case. You don't need 100,000. Exactly. Yep, I agree with you. Do you think anybody may have died in that little house or anything like that? Is that what happened? Indeed. Well, according to um, the voice that came out of Janet, Janet was one of the, the two girls there, and she and the other one for that matter, but she in particular spoke in a funny voice like that. Um, and, and said that she was the spirit, if you like, of a, a chap who had actually died there about 40, 50 years before, um, who was called Bill and was coming back because it was his house and all the rest of it. So, uh, yes, somebody did die there, but not whilst they were there. Were any of the people possessed like you would see in the Exorcist movie? Yes. Um, I worry when people make sort of connections between the Exorcist and, and Enfield. Oh, yeah. They weren't possessed, you know, they weren't possessed like throwing green slime at people or, or any, uh, heads turning head around on spinning. their own, yeah. etc. But there was a degree of possession that you might say going on. There was the funny voice. Um, there was a lot of hysterical behavior um, and seeming great strength. Uh, and obviously all the poltergeist stuff, all the things moving around. And how did it end? Did it end in a good way or a bad way? Um, In a good way, I would say. Uh, Things just fizzled out slowly but surely after about 18 months, as I said. um, The girls went through puberty, and it seemed that that slowly but surely after that, things settled down, um, and now one of them um, is married and got children, etc., etc. The other one uh, we've lost touch with. I don't know what the other one's doing. I think she got married as well. Um, and they lead relatively normal lives. What would people see on these tapes that were recorded back in 77? Okay, these were audio tapes. They weren't video. Okay. Yeah, we didn't have video then, I don't believe, did we? No, no, not really. There was a little bit done by a big company called Pi, um, and they said that nothing was captured on film, uh, on video film, that is, and those tapes have gone missing anyway. Um, there's on the audio tapes, of which there's several hundred, I hasten to add, um, you get everything from utter boredom with nothing happening, people just chatting about the weather and the television blaring with the, the local soap, soap opera going on. And then in addition to that, of course, you, you get the sounds of things flying around, you get a lot of screaming and hysterical behavior. 
Um, you get various crashes. You get a lot of knocking and, and banging when allegedly nobody was producing that. Loads of interviews from people. I mean, dozens and dozens of people went there, uh, mediums, the police, researchers, neighbours, you name it, basically. Well, is the house still there today, Melvin? Yes, yes, it's, th- it's still there. It, the people that moved in after the uh, Hodgsons, that was the name of the family, after they moved out, some people moved in, they didn't like the atmosphere there. They left fairly quickly, but that could have been because they knew of what had been going on there. Uh, the, the next people that moved in, I believe, are still there, and they have had no phenomena at all, and they don't want anything to do with the case. There's children there. They don't want them upset. So they don't want the neighbors to start being funny and so on and so forth. I bet if somebody comes to the door, they want nothing to do with them, do they? Absolutely. <laughs> probably call the police. Go away, people, right? <laughs> yep, indeed. That's something else. And... Uh... Have you now? You've been doing this for how many years? Involved in this kind of research? Um, increasingly, about thirty. So 30? I'm I'm relatively new to it. What would you say you have gone through in these thirty years that continues to baffle you? Well, there's there's nothing particular. There's not a lot of things. I haven't seen a ghost or anything like that. But I think I have witnessed poltergeist on one occasion which completely baffled me. I wasn't expecting it. I was with somebody else. Um, it was daytime. We, we looked at each other and said, oh, my God, how on earth did that happen? You know? Now, for somebody who's skeptical, and, and again, please understand, I think this is very healthy. But for someone who's skeptical, what keeps you in a field for 30 years like this? Well, what keeps me going is that I don't think we know it all. Um, some people seem to think they know it all, but I certainly don't. Um, and I think there are still some things out there that we just don't understand. And if we can get to grips with them, we can convert them, if you like, from the paranormal into the normal. I mean, 100, 200 years ago, hypnotism was paranormal. Now we understand it to some extent. Things falling out the sky was paranormal. Now we kind of understand it. Mental disease was possession by demons. Now we understand it. So the list goes on because of research. Your PhDs, of course, are in uh, music, basically, right, and hi- in uh, history, and uh, it's it's a big jump to get into the paranormal world. But have you been able to tap into those doctorate degrees to help do what you're doing now in the paranormal field? Absolutely, yes. Um, I mean, the first one involved experimentation with uh, telepathy as well. It wasn't just sort of historically based at all. Um, meeting up with musical mediums that believed they were in touch with dead composers, producing music, performers who believed they were taken over by the spirit of dead performers. It was, it was fascinating investigating all of them, seeing what they, they could do musically, talking to them, blah, blah, blah. And then the second PhD was involved with witchcraft, so going to covens, seeing what they were getting up to. Fascinating, nothing like what the media sometimes shows them to be, you know, dancing around naked. None of that, in my experience. How do the people, Melvin, in the United Kingdom react to paranormal activity? Um, Unfortunately, in some ways, there's a lot of sort of stupidity attached to it, shall we say. There's an awful lot of programs where people are jumping at the the first sound of a creaking door or something, Um, a a lot of sort of screaming going on and that sort of thing. So that side of it I I disapprove of strongly, and and that that does go on. But then there's an undercurrent of people who I think are genuinely interested and want to find out more and are are willing to sort of either research directly or, or 
listen to what people that have, have got sort of decent things to say about it. What would you say might be some of the strangest things you've encountered or have uh, researched and studied? Um, the strangest things, well, crumbs, um, where does one begin? I mean, do you have, you, you have, <laughs> have you looked at witchcraft and stuff like that? Yes, but well, the, the witchcraft was, was a lot more normal than you might think it was. Um, a a nature-based religion in, indulging in rituals um, for the good of mankind, especially needed perhaps at the moment, um, sort of a lot of healing going on. I, I did a study uh, comparing witchcraft spells with prayer from the Christian church, and I contacted a, a, a lot of Christian vicars and the like, and a lot of, of, of witchcraft high priestesses and priests, sounds very dramatic but it wasn't it does there's an awful lot of agreement between the two actually the purposes of what they were doing so it wasn't sort of anything like as dramatic as one might think and some of the results seemed to work and that that was extremely interesting now back to some of the strange things that have occurred for you i mean have you dabbled with a ouija board and seen strange things happen or anything like that yeah well, in my relative youth, when I was only 90 years old, yeah. um, <laughs> I, um, I, yes, I had a go with the, the Ouija board. Um, but I, I was very naughty with the Ouija board because when I was in charge of it, I always insisted that everybody that had their finger on the glass or whatever was blindfolded um, so that they couldn't actually push the glass to where the letters were. The glass is going to move anyway because your arms... But collectively, you've got idiomotor syndromes going on, so the, the, the arms are going to move, the finger's going to push the glass, because your arm starts to ache. And whether it's intentional or not is neither here nor there. But if you're blindfolded, and then I've moved the, the order of the letters around, so they don't know that B is over there and yes is over there, and I'm not touching the glass, I'm just making notes saying, you know, is there anybody there? And then if it goes to yes, then I think, well, that's interesting. And if it goes to XJP, I think that's not very interesting. Um, so, yeah, but on one occasion, I did get a, a pretty good result from that, which I don't think was coincidence. Now, as a skeptic, let's say 30 years ago, as you were getting into this, how high on a scale of 1 to 10, with the high skepticism being 10, where do you think you would have been 30 years ago? Um, 30 years ago, um, I'd have probably been about five. Okay, and and today you would be what? Um, Today I'm probably slightly more skeptical. I'm probably on six or seven now. Really? So it's gone up, not down? It's gone up because I've discovered that an awful lot of things are not what they appear to be. That's probably the, the case. But as you said from the outset, you just need one real case. Oh, absolutely. You, you don't I need ten. There, I think there have been some real cases, past and present and hopefully future, which need more investigation, which is why I'm not saying I'm ten out of ten a believer or ten out of ten a skeptic, because I'm sort of skeptical but still more than willing to see if there's things going on, and hopefully there will be. Would you say that you're beginning to become a believer, even if it's just that one case, whatever it may be? Um, I certainly think that there are things of an anomalous nature that are going on that we don't understand, without a doubt. I don't like being a believer. I'd I'd rather have evidence, and uh, I don't use the word proof, but certainly evidence that will suggest that there are very strange, paranormal, if you will, things going on. Now, you're an officer for the Society of Psychical Research. What does that entail? 
Okay, um, well, they are an educational charity that's been going since 1882, so, um, you know, it's, it's quite sort of verified, if you like, um, to investigate in a scientific manner things which are beyond the normal, shall we say. Uh, my role there is the archive, or the archive liaison officer. So when there's archive material to be sorted out, researched, looked at, etc., then that's, that's where my job comes in. I, I keep the audio-visual archive uh -huh. in my house. Okay, and um, a, consult, a consultant to the Ghost Club. Well, what do you do there? Yep, um, with the Ghost Club, if they have any queries that they want to put past me, then they contact me and say, what do you think is going on here? And then I research it, or I give them an answer if I happen to know the answer. And, and, and that's sort of just a, a little bit of a help. They don't need too much help from me. <laughs> Are most explanations done by trickery or by natural causes? Um, I think a lot of them are done by natural causes. I think a small amount are done by trickery, and probably the vast majority are unknown sources, unknown reasons for things going on. Are you convinced that there is an afterlife? Um, no, I'm not convinced there's an afterlife. I, I don't know, because I'm not there yet. <laughs> so you can't say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that it does not exist. You're not saying that yet, are yeah. you? Oh, no, I, I wouldn't do beyond a shadow of a doubt for anything, to be honest with you, because, um, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's too, I don't do 100%. Um, I, I think that there's always room for a bit of maneuver there, and, and of course I don't know. I, perhaps I will do one day. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.